How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode seven of Fear Frequency. I am your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is my co-host, George Frazard. How's it going, dude? Good. What's up? We've been playing Destiny all day, like literally for five hours. <laughs> yeah, we just sat down and had to get through the uh, the new exploit in the game to try to boost my level last minute. Yeah, so we both started this game on PS4, played it a little bit, but then we we both picked it up on PC because it's just it's an entirely different game. It runs really well it's a lot of fun and there's an exploit out right now that lets you level up and cheat the system in a really easy way so we've been working on that all day right we've just been sitting down talking while trying to get like as many of these coins that we can in the game to level up as fast as possible so it's been a productive day to say the least uh it's been a productive weekend george i haven't done anything at all (laughs) not a single thing oh man I went and saw John Carpenter yesterday, so I've had quite the weekend. Or not I convinced yesterday, you. Friday I, night. I forced you to go. Yeah, uh, you did force me to go, and I'm, I'm really glad you did, because that show was really something else. Yeah, we kind of like went over it earlier, but like it was pretty much exactly the same across the board. And it's just it's so great to see him doing his thing. He's got his kid doing all the hard stuff. He's just having a blast showing up his, movie, his old movies and stuff. It's, it's just awesome. Yeah, it's really cool i would highly recommend any carpenter fan go go to the show if it's available in your area for sure yeah once again we're really lucky that the tour just started so it's not like we're at the end of it or anything like you probably will be able to see this in your town if you want to check it out the horror drought is kind of upon us now i mean last week we recorded on tuesday so we got the monday and tuesday news into the episode but still it's not there's not a lot of new stuff coming up, but we 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 collected some news. We got a little bit of news for you. We got a creature feature as always, and our segment two this week we're going to be talking about a foreign language film uh, for the first time and a video game. And segment three is going to be a lot of fun. It involves winter, so we got it's a, it's a good show. This is going to be a really fun show. I think it's not going to be this like heavy hitting news segment that we had <laughs> the past few weeks. So, yeah, a, little, a little more creative this week. Yeah, so we'll kick it right off with uh, that Oren Pelly, director and creator of Paranormal Activity. He says he doesn't want to make any more movies. He uh, he did an interview, like a post-mortem. He revealed why he hasn't really done much since Paranormal Activity. And he says, I kind of just wanted to cash out and be done after Paranormal Activity. I got sucked into producing the series. Then I had lunch with Steven Spielberg, and he said, let's do a TV show together, and we did The River. I kind of kept having different opportunities get me sucked in, and then I thought, yeah, I could find something to direct. I got sent a lot of scripts. There's one I called, one I loved called Ezra Graves. It ended up being a whole big legal mess, and the project fell through. He just doesn't want to direct anymore. Like, he did Paranormal Activity. He produced the sequels. I think he produced the Chernobyl Diaries, and then he's, he's just done. I get it, though. I mean, he made so much money off of the first one that he really didn't need to do anything after that. Yeah, you know, like, I get it. Like, you just wanted to do your one movie that you were really passionate about. You got to do it, and you're done. Right. I mean, if you're not passionate about making the movies, then I don't really, I don't get why you would keep going back to them. So it makes sense why he would stop, but... You know, it does suck because I think the first Paranormal Activity is actually really good. Yeah, and I also really like The River, that TV show, and I liked Chernobyl Diaries except for the ending. So, like, that dude just knew how to make some creepy stuff. Yeah, it's kind of sad to see that, you know, his heart's not in it anymore and he doesn't really want to come back to it. it. But, I mean... He actually turned down The Conjuring, it says in this article. Yeah, so, but I mean, really, it's probably better to give it to someone who is passionate about it and wants to make the movie. I'd rather have 
you know, James Wan direct Conjuring and be mm-hmm. super into it instead of, uh, you know, Pele doing it and not even wanting to, to be a director anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you don't want to do it, if your heart's not in it, then you shouldn't do it. Because that's how we got a bunch of bad horror movies. Right. Uh, like, you know, just there's so many that were just made by people trying to cash in on uh, genre more than, you know, actually being passionate about it. But yeah, it's sad to see him go. Sad to see him not want to come back and do more movies, but... Yeah, pour one out for our boy Oren Pelly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this next one, I know you haven't seen Split, but I'm gonna spoil the end of Split. Not the end, just the after the credits thing. Oh, I've already, so I already know this. I've... Okay. <laughs> so everyone else that hasn't seen Split, skip ahead like ten minutes, I guess, or like three minutes. Uh, but basically, if you haven't heard the end credit scene of Split, like after the credits reveals that it's a sequel to Unbreakable, and it kind of just opens up the possibility for a sequel and not long after that movie came out the movie got greenlit uh it's called glass it comes out in 2019 and an image was shared on twitter of samuel l jackson in his wheelchair in his iconic outfit (laughs) so that's pretty cool yeah i'm actually pretty excited for this i think that unbreakable is one of Shyamalan's better movies if not like my favorite movie that he's done Right. So I'm I'm excited to see Glass come out because I thought uh, Samuel Jackson's character was great and unbreakable. And I mean, really, the guy hasn't missed a beat. He's still in all kinds of movies. And it's cool to see him come back to reprise the role. Yeah, I really like Split a lot. And I thought this was going to be a bigger studio production. But it says that Jason Blum is producing with Shyamalan. So hopefully they can, you know, keep the budget low and rein him in like they have been with uh, The Visit and Split. And then I see that James McAvoy's character from Split is coming back, which is cool. And Anya Taylor-Joy's character also will be in it. So that's pretty dope. I'm fine with all that. They were both great in that movie. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment. But uh, if Bruce Willis comes back and there's some more interaction between him and Mr. Glass, I think that'll, that could probably sh- that could shape up to be something really cool, especially if, you know, with this trend of Shyamalan movies coming back on being so good again. Hopefully he can recapture some of the magic that was the first uh, Unbreakable. Yeah, so the, yeah, at the end of uh, Split, it is Bruce Willis. So we, we have him confirmed. And then now I guess we have a picture of Samuel L. Jackson. So we know they're both in it. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, so that, that'll be hopefully good. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers. I hope it's good. <laughs> yeah, this is the only one I'm nervous about because it's a little bit bigger than the other two. Which is, that's like, it's been proven that when you reduce his budget, when you keep him grounded that's when he makes good movies. Like, when you give him unlimited creative control and a bunch of money, that's when the stinkers start coming. So, I don't know about this. This is just, like, I'm a little nervous, but I think he kind of is on a winning streak, so I'll cross my fingers. Yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll leave it at that. We'll say we're hopeful that this <laughs> it's a, a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, coming up next, this is a bad, 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 well, I guess it's kind of a good thing. Uh, Universal is going back to the drawing board on the Dark Universe after The Mummy quote-unquote failed, even though it made a lot of money overseas. The problem is the guy who was leading the franchise, Alex Kurtzman, Alex Kurtzman, who wrote The Mummy, I don't know why he was involved in the first place, but he's doing other stuff. They pulled The Bride of Frankenstein um, from release right before it started shooting, even though Angelina Jolie was signed on. And... Universal wants to continue it, but, uh, you know, he stepped away. So hopefully they can 
figure out what's going on with that and hopefully replace Alex Kurtzman because I think he was the biggest problem with this thing from the start. Yeah, I know they had uh, a few other Universal Monster movies planned. Uh, I'm not sure. Were they planning on sticking with the, the Dracula Untold movie that they made recently? No, that, that didn't count. They were going to redo that it. That one doesn't count. So The Mummy is supposed to be like the first entry into the new series? or Yeah, and you know what? I'm not going to lie. I didn't hate The Mummy. I, like, so something I noticed is that the vast majority of the people who keep shitting on The Mummy are like, I haven't seen it, but yeah, this is like terrible and blah, blah, blah. That movie wasn't that bad, honestly. I really The effects were really good. It had some good action. It got a little ham-fisted in the plot department. Like, I had too much going on, for sure. And they wasted that guy from uh, New Girl. I always forget his name. But he was in it, and his jokes were just really bad. But overall, I think this movie... I don't want to say underrated, but I feel like it got an unnecessarily harsh rap. Uh, I didn't see The Mummy, but... I, I mean, I like Tom Cruise, and obviously he's had his fair share at being in action movies so Mm -hmm. it seems weird that he would be in a big budget action movie and kind of whiff it since he's kind of knows the genre it's been his thing since like the the late 90s so it i i i believe that it's kind of gets a worse rap than it is just because it's a it's got that mummy name attached to it Mm -hmm. like if, if you were to call it something different it might not have gotten such a bad you know, bad rating for being what it was. But I know they had, like, some other movies planned. I heard something like Johnny Depp for The Invisible Man and... Yeah, like, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they replaced him, though, because, like, no one wants to touch him with a 10-foot pole with all this sexual harassment shit going on. Yeah, it's, like, him and, like, Javier Bardem. I mean, there were, like, some big-name actors that were throwing around to do remakes yeah, of these. Yeah, Angelina Jolie is Bride of Frankenstein. That's, that's big. Yeah, I mean, they had, like, they had some big big ideas for this franchise and i i think it would actually be kind of cool to bring the universal monsters back yeah and like they they're just they're cool characters i just think that alex kurtzman was not the right choice to put at the head of it all and you know what else is stupid is that originally they were like these are going to be creator driven movies but then they turned down guillermo del toro for uh making the Swamp Thing movie for it. And then he goes and makes uh, The Shape of Water, which is what he would have made originally. And that movie is doing incredible in festival and stuff like that. And people are saying it's his best movie. So they just fucked up from the start by putting, uh, you know, Alex Kurtzman on this. (laughs) Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like, he's the guy who wrote uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Now You See Me 2. He wrote Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, he like Star Trek in the Darkness. So he's wrote some good stuff. He's also wrote some bad stuff. But I just I don't think he's the guy to spearhead something like this. No, it seems if they really wanted to do it right, they should have given the the keys of the castle to Guillermo del Toro. I think. Yeah, or like James Wan. Can you imagine? Oh my god, do with it? a James Wan dark <laughs> dark universe with all the Universal monster movies. That would have been insane. I mean, there's so many good directors that have that kind of creepy flair to them that they could have yeah. brought back these movies in such a cool way that it seems like a real wasted opportunity to do it this way. Yeah, like David F. Sandberg, Michael Flanagan. Uh, yeah. Anyone, dude. Like, the guy, what's the guy's name? Mike Daughtry, the guy who made uh, Trick or Treat. Like, any of these Oh, people. yeah, Daughtry would have been great. Yeah, you could have just, you could have knocked it out of the park immediately. But it's just people who are friends with people in high places getting jobs they 
don't necessarily deserve. So uh, he's working on Star Trek Discovery, though, and that got renewed for a second season. So I'm assuming that's why he's stepping away from this, because it got such bad reviews. Like, why would you want to come back? Right. So Um, it's probably a good thing that they're going back to kind of try to rethink some things and try to make it come out not in the same trajectory that the mummy came out in so hopefully they kind of get get their stuff together and come out with at least one good remake of a universal monster movie yeah but i like what uh peter kramer who's universal's president of production he said we've learned many lessons throughout the creative process on dark universe so far and we're viewing these titles as filmmaker driven vehicles each with their own distinct vision we're not rushing to meet a release date and we'll move forward with these films when we feel they're ready and they're the best versions of themselves. So, like, he seems to get it. Like, he knows they screwed up, they tripped a little bit. So, I think it's good that they're not canceling it altogether because I think the idea is cool. But I think it's smart to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I think if they can course correct this dark universe, it could be something really good. But they they need to come out swinging really, really hard with the next one. Yeah, they, they, they took can't... the DC approach instead of the Marvel approach. It would be like introduce the characters and then introduce the overarching plot and i think with the mummy receiving such bad press like whatever they choose to be the next monster movie it needs to be like really good if you want this if you want people to take this dark universe seriously at all then you have to at least show them that it can be cool yeah i think you could do a really cool dracula movie in 2017 for sure we've had so many lame ones that like you know i think it's time for a good one yeah i mean when when was the last good vampire movie there's one called like contracted on netflix that is i don't know what what even made me think of this but it's like this guy catches a disease in a foreign country while they're on vacation and he like slowly becomes a vampire that movie is fucking dope that does sound pretty cool I, i think i made you watch it but it was a long time ago i forget when that came out and look it up so if you hear a keystrokes, that's what it is. <laughs> but yeah, I think that if... It, yeah, 2013. Oh, this this isn't the movie I'm thinking of, but Contract is really good. <laughs> uh, what, what were you saying? I think if, if they course correct and they come out with like a cool Dracula movie or a good Wolfman or Creature from the Black, Black Lagoon and really show people that this isn't, you know, something that's doomed to fail from the start, then this mm-hmm. dark universe could be really cool when it starts when it actually gets some traction yeah you know what else they could really make something cool about is the wolfman you're right like yeah that should like that is ripe like ripe for it i think in my opinion like damn man (laughs) yeah so hopefully with this course correction they come out with everything looking the right way shit like i don't know what this movie is called (laughs) i'm like pissed now because i i loved it it was super good oh man now I'm on the stupid website that has, like, multiple page things. Oh, uh, What We Do in the Shadows. That's a really good um, vampire movie. If you've never seen that, that's really funny. That's what Taika Waititi, who did um, the new Thor movie and Hunt for the Wilder People, he did that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, like, his first... I think that's him. Pretty sure. I think he's doing a sequel next so that's a good vampire movie i mean we're getting off topic here but like yeah <laughs> yeah it's like ytt that's that's a good one so maybe let him do a uh, dracula movie that'd be kind of sweet yeah give it to someone who might you know 
they could take the Blumhouse approach. They could give it to someone who kind of has a vision for the character that might not have, you know, a ton of press, but maybe is just is like has like maybe a cool indie movie or something. Oh man, can you imagine if they just gave Jason Blum the like ability to they put him in the top of it and let him uh, you know start this thing over and get it going? That would be cool. Yeah. I think that'd be a really smart move. I think with all those kinds of connections, where you know the whole Blumhouse tree of different directors that have made these movies i think you could easily be able to pick through the catalog and look at something someone's made and say oh this director understands this kind of character really well he would be great for directing a dracula movie or a wolfman movie mm-hmm. or something and then maybe let them kind of write up a script and see where, where they'd want to take the character they could do some really really cool stuff if they just let some indie directors have a have a crack at these characters yeah, I think the low-key, like, super tight budget would work a lot. Like, connecting the movies, but not giving them a massive budget. Like, I don't think... I don't think... I think those things can be mutually exclusive, you know? Like, I don't think having a massive budget and connected universe have to go hand-in-hand, hand, necessarily. No, and I think a lot of the times with... I think horror movies in particular, kind of the lower budget, more grounded, focused story where there's not a bunch of huge bells and whistles, CGI madness everywhere, it kind of makes the movies better because you have yeah. to focus on actually developing the creature or the character, who, whatever the monster is. And that usually, if you do that, obviously, you're developing a character. People are going to want to see that character come back again. You put him in a connected universe with another character that's cool from another movie, and that's how you build a cinematic universe, which would definitely what they're trying to do with these. Yeah, definitely. So... That's what we think about the dark universe switching gears. So we're, we're right and everyone else is wrong. Uh, so the next thing on here is that an artist named Billy Butcher has been turning the episodes of Stranger Things 2 into like retro book covers. And they're pretty cool. Yeah. These are actually really interesting. They're, they look like old Goosebumps covers almost. Oh yeah, they definitely do. Or like old Stephen King stuff. Like they're pretty sweet. I think this guy does pro- posters professionally though. Like he's a big artist, which is why <laughs> this is what I was hoping those Walking Dead ones would look like. like yeah, these, these are so much better. Yeah, they're all actually really cool. They make great like uh, phone wallpapers, and they they usually just, it's usually focused on like one image from the episode, and they all do like actually connect with the episode, the correlating episodes of mm-hmm. the show so it's it's cool i'm only going down to episode seven because that's where i'm at i'm taking my time this is like the best (laughs) show i've ever seen oh it's season two is great but uh yeah i think that these are really cool people should check these out they that's really something you have to see for yourself and i think anybody who checks these out especially after you've seen the episode you can kind of pick out what the cover's referencing you'll think that they're even cooler yeah definitely so you can uh i I don't know how we can point people to this, actually. So just go to Billy Butcher's Instagram, and you will see them, because he's been posting them there. Uh, you can just search him, because Billy Butcher is pretty unique. So yeah. uh, you you can handle this next one, because you put it on here. It's yes. another Stranger Things one. So, yeah, sticking with the Stranger Things theme, they partnered up with Spotify, and the website is uh, spotify-strangerthings.com. If you go to the website, you can link it with your Spotify account, you can log in, and then it'll analyze your music library and match you up with one of 13 different playlists that correlate to characters in the show. So there's ones like uh, Joyce's Halloween House Party and like Hopper's 
nighttime drive and like Steve's morning hair grooves. And they're all just like kind of eighties <laughs> kind of, they incorporate some modern music, but it's mostly a lot of eighties music and it's kind of uh, links up with the characters. So you can see like which character your music matches up to the most. It's kind of fun. It's cool. Yeah. And the Jonathan one is awesome. It's yeah. not all eighties music. It's like there's retro and contemporary music on there, which is pretty dope. Uh, yeah, I wish it was easier to find the other playlists, though. I, I want to see the other ones. I like Steve's a lot, and I like uh, Hopper's, too. The Halloween party one's pretty great, though. Yeah, what I've had to do to find these, you're right, they should make it easier, but you can search, like, the name in the Spotify app, and they'll come up. But what I've been doing is I'll just, like, Google Stranger Things playlists, and then usually there's, like, an article you can pull up that shows all of them, and you can just click on them from there, and it opens up in the Spotify app. So it's a bit of a pain oh. to get to the ones that you're not like linked to, but uh, you're, you and I both got the Jonathan playlist, and I've been listening to this thing yeah, like, on repeat. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it it does have some it has some great tunes on there. There's a lot of the songs on there that actually added to my like normal songs rotation. Yeah, I want to. I haven't listened to Billy's. I would like to hear what they put on there for him. Like. I don't know if there's any racist music on Spotify. <laughs> maybe the soundtrack from Splash Mountain or something. <laughs> yeah, Song of the South. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's just like a bunch of like deeply racist, terrible music. <laughs> you just go to it and it's like the cops immediately show up at your house. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I bet Max's would be pretty cool. I don't know what Will's would be. Will's would be like, my life sucks Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 11s would be like what is music yeah 11s yeah. would be like dinosaur jr probably something like that hoppers is like uh like old like country music there's a lot of like <laughs> like like springsteen and like bob dylan things like that so i love are... when he dances in uh season oh, two. oh my god it's so good but it's only I... like two seconds but i love it <laughs> Yeah, I think that's already been made like a GIF about a hundred times I've seen through my Instagram feed, but the the plays are actually really cool. It's cool to see who you're matched up with, and they're they're actually they have a lot of good music. They're really not. I thought they'd be like kind of half-assed where they just pick like whatever like songs that have like the characters' names in them or something. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I know they did that with like a like there's like one or two songs on the Jonathan playlist that are like, you can call me Nancy and stuff. And like, <laughs> uh, uh, there's like a few about like getting the girl, like, are you going to be my girl by Jet? And oh, like, there's, I saw a, that on there, th- yeah. there's a few like that that are kind of like tongue and cheeky. But a-, a lot of times if they do that, the songs are actually really good. So you can forgive them for like m- putting like a joke in there. But they're cool. Yeah. I think uh, people who are interested in the show are going to want to see what character playlist they match up to the most. And they're actually good to just listen to. Totally. And I think... A lot of so this is weird. Like I used to work at an agency, like a you know like a marketing agency, and we worked with Netflix a lot, and it kind of killed this cool stuff like this for me because I, I saw like it's honestly one of the most stressful fields ever, and it's super ruthless. And like I mean, I didn't have a great experience. I didn't really like it. I got out pretty quick by my own volition. But uh, this is something that I don't think went through an agency, so it's just like purely made by people who care about the show over at Netflix. So I like this a lot. It's not like, uh, there's some other stuff out there. You can usually tell if you've worked in an agency before, like what's made by an agency and what isn't. But this seems like, this seems like a, a lot, costs a lot more money than what you'd usually get from an agency. So I like that. So it's really cool. Uh, yeah. And, and I've been jamming to the playlist because my commute is now over an hour every day. So this, these have been great. 
yeah i've been i've been listening to them like all day at work just really rocking out to a lot of these songs Mm -hmm. so then uh, the next one is really cool to me um that ellen page is part of netflix's umbrella academy so this is like cool on two levels for me so umbrella academy if you didn't know uh it was like gerard way who's the singer my come up for romance he had like a side his whole thing was he went to school to be a comic book artist and writer so that was like what he wanted to do and then 9-11 inspired him to start the band and that like the comic stuff kind of got sidetracked but between albums he made this like superhero dark series called uh umbrella academy and dark horse puts it out and i guess netflix is turning it into a show which i didn't know and that's pretty cool but uh ellen page is in it and i feel like she's just like a great actress to be in something like this like darker outcasty type stuff because you know like x-men as dark as it could ever be uh well i mean we'll see when new mutants comes out but i don't think it would ever get as dark as a new mutants tv show would get or uh umbrella academy tv show yeah i think that she's a great pick for this i'm not super familiar with the source material but uh i i I really do miss seeing ellen page in movies she was like really good like remember how like crazy it was when juno came out and I was like, who? Yeah. Like, who is Ellen Page? She's so good. <laughs> it was like, yeah. And it was we watched crazy. Hard Candy. Remember that? I think that it had. Yeah. Who was it? Oh, Patrick Wilson was the like creepy molester in that. Yeah. Oh, and, I uh, forgot all about that. Super with um, Dwight from The Office, Rain Wilson. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, she's been in a lot of great movies. She's she can play that kind of like quirky character really well. I don't know if yeah. that's just like part of her personality or whatever, but she seems to really fit that mold. And uh-huh. I, I think she would fit well in this series. Yeah, and then there was that thing when she was in um, Beyond Two Souls uh, with Willem Dafoe. There was that interview with David Cage and her and Willem Dafoe on either side of him. And she just, like, Willem Dafoe is, like, looks bored as shit, but she looks like she's in pain. Oh, I have and seen then, that. Uh, I know what you're yeah, talking that, about. Yeah, <laughs> that graphic designer, her name's Katie Casarda. You can find her on Twitter. It's, like, KT, like, K letter k letter t she makes it her profile pics picture like every once in a while she found it and like isolated it and it became like a meme it is so great so yeah ellen page is great and jeremy slater who's the guy who's the showrunner on the exorcist which obviously everyone knows we love mm-hmm. uh he uh, wrote the pilot for this show oh really and uh yeah netflix they do dark stuff so they're not afraid to show gore and violence and everything i don't yeah. think this would be very bad no, I mean, I think the, you know, source material, material is, like, pretty well-liked, and Ellen Page seems like a good cast for the, the role, so it, it seems like if they keep casting the same kind of people, and they just kind of stick to the source material, they obviously know how to make how to make a good TV show. I mean, Netflix yeah. has been cranking out some great shows recently, so hopefully this is just another one to add to the roster. It's like, oh, Yeah, and then, you, did you know that they bought... I think Mark Miller's, they bought his comic book company and they're publishing comic books and like he, they're making shows of his comic books. I think it's Mark Miller. Really? Uh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure Mark Miller's the guy who made Kingsman and he yeah, made Kick-Ass. Think... Yeah. So. Yeah. He made Kingsman, uh, which is pretty dope. Like I love Kingsman, man. Uh, and then, so Netflix bought his comic book company, which means Netflix is a comic book publisher now. Hmm, interesting. Isn't that, that weird? They they just put released their first one. Huh. I, I hadn't heard anything about this, but that's actually really interesting. Yeah, and then just like 
if you've never heard of Mark Miller before, uh, you probably read some of his stuff. He made The Ultimates, which was like the dark take on the Avengers, which was awesome. He made Marvel Knights, which was a really, uh, Marvel Knights Spider-Man, which was another dark take on uh, Spider-Man. It was kind of like Dark Knight type stuff. He did Ultimate Fantastic Four, which is the one where Reed Richards was a genocidal maniac and a murderer, and it was really cool. He did Civil War, which everyone knows about. He wrote Kingsman the Secret Service. He came up with Wanted and Kick-Ass. Like, this dude has come up with some of the coolest comics ever. Right. I mean, even in that list, I think there's like three or four, probably more, at least inspired, full film adaptations. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, the guy knows how to make things that are, you know, good to be like adapted so yeah and if you listen to the show and you like horror and everything and you want to see some really cool dark violent superhero stuff read his comics and watch any of the stuff he's made that's been adapted like kingsman seems like a spy movie but it is it gets dark and it gets violent like and very gory it's definitely earns its r rating so uh if you haven't seen that movie or you've been ignoring it because you're just like a straight horror fan i think you would probably enjoy seeing that movie yeah, Kingsman's fun. I like that movie. Wanted, Wanted is like it's okay. Wanted's uh, good because of its gore. Yeah, and I think the the effects are kind of cool. They tried a lot of like ambitious effects with that movie. Yeah, Not, the video I mean, game. Remember we played that demo yeah, on three sixty yeah, for like a yeah. day. Yeah, because they the whole like niche of that movie was that it was like you could curve bullets. Like that was the whole idea was being able to be like you could be the best assassin ever because you can curve bullets like around buildings, like around people. Yeah. And that, so that obviously translates really well to a video game because you can like do all these really cool like trick shots on people while in like these cool like confined little levels. So uh, it's it's like a good source material to adapt because it fits in both mediums like pretty perfectly. Yeah, so, I, I completely agree. And like that was a tangent, but I feel like this relates <laughs> to the show really well. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if this guy is now partnered with Netflix to produce comics... It seems like the next logical step would just be, you know. Oh, they're making shows. And right, movies to adapt the comics into shows or movies or whatever. So Yeah, and then you know what else is really funny? In the Kingsman comic, the first one, the guy looked a lot like Eminem, but uh, they just, they, they've been releasing more and more Kingsman arcs, and Image Comics does it, I think. And um, I saw that the main character looks exactly like Eggsy now. Oh, really? Even though he's called Eggsy, he looks more like uh, Taron Egerton. Which I think is cool because it just it looked kind of dated, because that comic is kind of it's older now. It's a few years old, and I, at the time it came out, like Eminem was like edgy and shit, you know, like that look. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I'm glad they updated him in the comic. But man, the comic is great. It's a lot darker than the movie somehow. So, yeah, uh, Umbrella Academy has <laughs> Helen Page. Yeah, <laughs> got a little bit of a tangent there, but <laughs> okay. So next up. Um, Guillermo del Toro, we already mentioned this this episode, his next movie, The Shape of Water, it's about a woman who falls in love with the swamp thing. And I guess it's related to Hellboy in some way. I haven't ever seen either Hellboy movie, so I feel like I need to watch those because I really like Guillermo del Toro. But the trailer is out. It's been showing at a lot of festivals, and it's won a ton of awards. It's got It's set in the 60s. He says it's the best thing he's ever made, and I've heard nothing but great things about it. Uh... It looks really cool. It looks dark. It has um, Michael Shannon, who's a cool guy, Richard Jenkins, Michael Stahlberg, and Doug Jones. And um, it stars Sally Hawkins as Elisa. Eliza. Elisa. I don't know. Have you watched uh, this trailer? Who's the one? The Octavia... 
Jones. Oh, Octavia Spencer. Yeah, Octavia Spencer. Yeah, yeah. she's cool. Yeah, but I, I I watched the trailer for this. It actually looks really really cool. I wasn't sure what to expect. I had actually just read that article about uh, him being scrapped for the Swamp Thing movie, and then him basically just taking that idea and turning it into this. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, huh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, more and, power to him, man. Right, more power to him. And I watched the trailer, and this this movie looks awesome. I mean, this is like it looks so unique, and that's like one of the really cool things about uh, you know Del Toro. It's like all of his movies have such a cool like visual flair to them that they yeah. It seems like it's a no brainer to have him design like a monster for a movie and humanize them like this. It seems like it's kind of a pseudo love story, sci fi, you know, like star crossed lovers. They're in like separate yeah. worlds. Like this woman uh, so falls like, in love with the swamp thing. It seems it seems really really cool. I'm really really stoked to see it. I, I didn't watch the whole trailer because I feel like it tells you the whole plot of the movie, but I watched about I watched a good part of it, and from what I saw, I really liked it. But I, I feel like if you're the kind of person who gets upset about trailers, like that that's something that really gets to me how much they reveal lately. I think this trailer might be one to maybe just watch the first 15 20 seconds of see if you like the look of everything and then go in dark yeah um i'm probably not gonna watch anything besides the first trailer i think that that gave me all the information i'm gonna need before i see the movie i'm sold on it so i'm just gonna go see it now but um yeah i'm excited for this to come and hit the the wide release so i can go out and see it yeah and uh this comes out december 1st limited release which means new york and la but maybe detroit you might be able to see it if you're in detroit or chicago and then it'll be out everywhere December 8th. And the, I think the only reason I got a weird vibe from this initially is because it reminded me of Lady in the Water, which is one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I think it, it seems to be only similar in title, so that's a good right. thing. Yeah, that's why I was like, my brain was like subconsciously pushing me <laughs> away from it. And then I saw a poster, and then I saw a trailer, and then I was like, oh, Guillermo del Toro. And then obviously it's, it's completely different. They're not even similar, but... Uh, yeah, so this looks really good. I'm, uh, you bet your ass. I'll have a review up on my channel, hopefully December first. But we'll definitely talk about the show the week it comes out. Talk about it on the show. Yeah, I think this is uh, the next big horror movie we're both looking out for. Yeah, it's, the theatrical ones are just drying up now, man. October was great, but fuck, like yeah, even I mean, even, se- September was great. Yeah, September <laughs> was great too. So yeah, so that's that's coming out December first, and then also. December 1st, we have an article from our friends at ModernHorrors.com. Dark, have you have you seen the trailer for this show? Yeah, I, I did watch this. It ah, seemed, God, it looks so good. It does look really interesting. So yeah, it, it's like, it's, from, yeah, like what is it? Explain. Yeah, so from the trailer, it looks like there's this group. It's like a small town in Germany, and it, it, I think it's like every 35 years, all these children start to go missing, so a little bit of like an it vibe going on. Or they're mm-hmm. not quite sure what's going on, why these children are going missing, and there's some kind of like thing going on underground that they all seem to be kind of afraid of, and it's kind of like a mystery. What what are they? What's going on in the town? Why are these kids disappearing? There's some sci-fi elements where there's like a guy getting strapped into this. It looks almost like an electric chair, yeah. where there's like this like cyclops almost visor that goes over his eyes as he's getting electrocuted. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's a great, great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> so it see like this seems. I'm not really sure to think of it. Like it seems like it's something I've never even really seen before. So I'm I'm really interested in it. I think this is something that. Yeah, I am too. This was something totally not on my radar at all. I've never heard anything about this before you brought it up, and now I'm really excited <laughs> to see it. I watched the trailer 
I think two months ago, I want to say, and I was like, this looks cool. Probably like we'll remember this. And then uh, I saw they wrote it up on Modern Horrors, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot all about this. So yeah, this is out on Netflix December first. It's a ten episode series. I'm honestly surprised this is going to Netflix and not Shutter because Shutter's been picking up like every single foreign language dark horror TV show from Europe over the past year. And if you like that shit, man. Subscribe to Shudder because I, I saw a couple of foreign language things from them at Beyond Fest, both two, I think two years ago, or last year's festival. And man, it's there's some good shit happening across the ocean. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of, you know, if you're willing to sit back and watch a foreign film, which obviously you should, there's a lot of great foreign movies, but they there's some really cool, edgy, like, uh, horror horror films foreign horror films coming out recently like we're Mm. you know one we're talking about today but there's like there's some really cool cool stuff going on over there yeah so you can check that out on netflix december 1st there's a trailer on youtube now and it's a tv show so i don't think it's going to spoil a whole lot and then to round out our new segment uh we have another creature feature if you haven't uh, been around the past couple weeks, this is a new segment where we pick someone out in the horror community that's doing some cool stuff creatively and give them a little shout out, even though most of them are much bigger than us. So <laughs> this this week we're shouting out a really good friend of mine, Alex DiVincenzo. Uh, he's Broke Horror Fan, which you'll probably know him better as that name. He runs this site completely on his own, which surprises everyone I tell because of his <laughs> output. It's insane. Like, uh... When um, Annabelle Creation came out, Warner Brothers flew him out here for the junket, but they only gave him a hotel room for one night, so he ended up staying at my house under the condition that he record an Annabelle Creation review with me. <laughs> and I, I let him, uh, while I was at work one day, I let him use my um, computer to update the site, and he left the CMS up, so before I closed it, I just kind of like scrolled through, and holy shit, man, he does a lot of work, and he's a great guy. He composed my trailer neckbeard through the neckening and uh i think he just launched his t-shirt store so if you want a really cool t-shirt you can go to brokehorrorfan.com and he has a store tab and you can get a logo t-shirt and he's been really trying to get those out there he's just a great dude yeah super talented obviously he's talented in many many facets <laughs> you know it's kind of a <laughs> yeah, he's good at everything <laughs> yeah he's kind of just good at everything so kind of have to hate him a little bit for that but uh cool dude really nice guy and uh definitely check his stuff out yeah, we'll definitely have him on the show. Like, I can personally guarantee it because I've already texted him and been like, hey, Alex, you're going to come on our show. And he's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, yeah, go check out Broke Horror Fan. You can follow him on Twitter at AlexIsLegend uh, for his personal Twitter and at Broke Horror Fan for the website. And that's going to wrap up segment one. So we'll take a quick break here and we'll come right back with I Remember You. Okay, we're back from our quick break, and now we're going to talk about I Remember You. And you guys are just going to have to bear with us on this one. (laughs) This is a movie from IFC Midnight. It just came out uh, in America. It's an Icelandic horror thriller. It's like if you took uh, a a police procedural drama and a ghost story and a haunted house movie, the point they intersect is this movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty good, too. I really liked it. I liked it, too. It's something... 
very unique where there's a lot there's a lot going on and you have to pay attention to everything especially since it's a foreign film so yeah. you're like reading subtitles the whole movie and trying to figure out the plot because there's like kind of a mystery going on where there's a director or detective um what Freyer 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 yeah and he's <laughs> we're gonna struggle so hard with these <laughs> and that's the easy name of the whole cast so. yeah Freyer and Leaf <laughs> yeah and Leaf so Freyer is um he's a psych- psychiatrist and his son had recently died or yeah. went missing he went missing and he had diabetes so it was like guaranteed dead basically right so he kind of gets over this, and he's kind of living with the the struggle day to day. And at the same time that he's kind of uncovering what he thinks might have happened to his son, and there's all these weird deaths that are happening where people are dying, and they have all these crosses like cut into their backs, and there's yeah. they think it's might be a cult is doing this, or like what's the connection between all these things, and how how might it be connected to his son's disappearance? And so there's that whole plot line going on, and then there's this plot where these three friends bought this house that's like basically like a shithole. There's no yeah, it's an old whaling station. It looks like it's straight out of Dishonored. Yeah, there's like no electricity. There's no cell phone reception. They think they have to hike like a mile up into the mountains to get cell phone reception because it's just on the sea where no one is around and everything's yeah. abandoned and they have and to like walk to the the ocean they keep their beer cold down by the ocean yeah i think like they never really say where their beer is kept but like it's like a chore that they fight over to go get it, right <laughs> and while they're in the house they kind of hear some weird stuff going on particularly one um one character katrine who's the wife of the main guy the it's Garer. like two yeah, Garer. So there's a guy, Garer, his wife, Katrine, and then their friend, Leaf, are all in this house. And they, they're, it's all the kind of paranormal things happen to Katrine. And yeah, the other two are like, kind of think she's going crazy and they're not really sure what to do with her. And so there's these two plots kind of going in parallel where it's switching between them periodically throughout the movie. And it's kind of a lot to keep straight in your head. And kind of trying to figure out where these two are going to intersect. But I think they pulled it off really well. Dude, seriously, they pulled it off, like, perfectly. There wasn't... They didn't leave any question unanswered, which is bizarre because of how much stuff they opened up. It's an hour and 45 minutes. It's kind of long. But I don't know what I would have taken out now that I think about it. Because there's none of... My least favorite thing in a fucking movie is a dream sequence. And there's none (laughs) of those. There's no dream sequences. It's just constantly telling you what's going on. Uh, and even though I'm really bad at watching movies that are totally subtitled, uh, even though it was like hard to follow the text sometimes, I figured out the plot totally fine. The only weird thing is that, uh, all the dudes in this movie look the same. They look very similar. Like they're all Icelandic dudes with deep voices. They have beards. Yeah. So (laughs) that can kind of get confusing, at least for the most part, a lot of the guys are kind of separated by like great distances. Like the two main actors are like very very far separate from each other one is like an abandoned house the other one is with a detective most of the time trying to figure out what's going on with a cult so usually you can keep those two characters straight but it there is some confusion with that a lot of the names are kind of a little bit strange um but 
I, I mean, for the most part, the plot is kind of, it's like, it's a lot of, you have to think about it. You have to really pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. And, and I think that the beginning, it does start a little slow where it's, it's like a kind of a slow buildup. And then once you get all the information that you need, then it's kind of just, you find this piece and then you keep going and then it's this piece and then well, what's going on at the house. And then, okay, we're getting another step closer here, but what's, what's like really going on at the house is there's, how are these two things connected? And it seems really complicated, but it's, you're so interested in what's going on that you can't, you can't look away yeah definitely and it's in iceland which oh my god dude so iceland is a filming location for both prometheus and rogue one and when you see it in this movie you totally get why because jesus christ it looks like another planet it's just so cool looking like the cities have really cool architecture and like the the like the wilderness areas are just so different and just it's crazy it's yeah. it's a great movie to watch in november as like days are getting colder and stuff right right it just it, it gets you in that mood that cool it, it has like it has color grading similar to like david fincher's films like gone girl and stuff but it doesn't it's not color grading it's just how it looks right everything almost has kind of like a, a little bit of a blue filter on it to kind of give you that kind of cooling sensation when you're watching it the cinematography is absolutely beautiful the landscapes of these huge winter mountains and the seaside and all these old abandoned buildings and that you know the creepy house and everything everything is shot incredibly well yeah it really does feel like dishonored like it, it was it was just deja vu all I over mean, the place at one point one of the characters goes to like an abandoned shipyard and it's like how much more like <laughs> like can you get closer to dishonored at that point seriously yeah that part was awesome and uh so it was weird we got the screener for it from IFC and it was a flash video and it still looked striking like it looked really good yeah i thought that it was in flash yeah even in flash (laughs) but i thought that it was it everything looked incredible i mean it was like the scenery was so beautiful and the i mean everything that everything looked great the actors were all pretty on point uh it was cool to see the different areas of iceland because they don't just stick to the haunted house and then like an office it's like haunted house office suburbia there's, uh, at one point they go to like a hospital, nursing home, there's all kinds of elements going on and you never feel like you're being like whiplash, like where you're whipping between all these different things. Everything uh, feels really organic as the movie moves along. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I feel like the only thing holding this movie back is that it's not in English, which sucks because like, I don't know. I feel like if this movie came out and like it was made in America, right? And then... It was made identically with, like, very similar actors and everything. I feel like this movie would blow up as a thriller. Like, it's just so good. I I, I think that it, it does suck that it's in a foreign language, and that's going to turn a lot of people away from seeing it, because they'll be like, ah, I don't, I don't really care to watch a movie that I have to read the whole time. But I think if you're willing to put the time in, this movie is 100, 100% worth your time. Yeah, I think we were both surprised by it. And then, because, you know, like, IFC Midnight, I want to give them credit, because they, they pick movies... Like they're, I'm constantly surprised by what they're putting out. You know, like a lot of the stuff, it it, it takes like a second to get into it, but uh, once you, if you put in the effort, they usually turn out some really cool stuff. And this is another one of those movies where I was like, huh, they're pushing this really hard, so it must be good. And lo and behold, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we'd heard a lot of really positive things before we actually sat down to watch it, and I think those are completely justified. This is a very unique 
movie. It's it's a ghost story. It's a thriller. It's a detective mystery movie. It's got it all, and it's really an interesting watch from start to finish. Yeah, so that's I Remember You. You can check that out on literally every streaming service. If you want to see every streaming service that's on, actually, I quote retweeted a tweet from IFC Midnight uh, last weekend at the time you'll be hearing this, and it's just a JPEG of every site it's on, but it's on everything. You can rent it. Uh, If you really want to wait for Netflix, you can because all of their movies end up on Netflix, but... Uh, yeah, I would recommend renting this one immediately. Yeah, this one definitely deserves your money. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, we 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 spent a long time on that news segment, so I think we're gonna uh, basically I'm gonna talk about Doom Switch for two seconds and just say like Doom on Nintendo Switch. If you're a fan of Doom, it's definitely worth picking up, uh, but only play it in handheld mode. Don't drop it on the TV because it just looks terrible. It caps out at 720p, uh, but it's a dynamic resolution that definitely goes down to about 640p and you can see that on the tv it looks really bad and if it's on the tv you should be playing it on any other console because it'll run and look a lot better but it's it's a handheld version of doom that they pulled off i don't like that it costs 60 dollars, but um i think it's i think it's worth checking out if either you've never played doom and only have a switch or you're just dying for a handheld first person shooter that's one of the best ones out there so uh that's that's my quick review of doom and if you want to hear more you can go check out my YouTube channel because I did a whole video review there. Because, George, you haven't played this yet, right? Uh, I played it on my PC when it first came out, but I haven't played the Switch version of it yet. I, right. I do want to try it out because I'm interested in seeing how it plays on the Switch. Because um, I do I do really like the, the game. I think the Doom itself mm-hmm. is like one of the best first-person shooters to come out in the last you know 10 years. So I'm excited to try it out, but I haven't had a chance to check it out on the Switch yet. Yeah, I will say, if you played it before, arcade mode is worth returning for. It's just, like, a really cool way to play that game. But, uh, yeah, that's Doom on Switch. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with a fun little segment three that uh, we came up with today to get us into the mood of winter. Okay, so we're back with segment three here after a quick break, and today we have something really fun. Uh, So, you know, the Christmas season is starting earlier and earlier, and I think it'd be hypocritical to get upset about Christmas starting the day after Halloween when, you know, Halloween stuff is coming out in August now. Yeah. So I'm all in. I don't really care. But uh, there's been a lot of really cool winter-themed or even just like spooky dark fall, late fall horror movies coming out the past couple of years to the point where I think it'd be fun for each of us to pick uh, three movies that we think would get help get someone into their Christmas spirit, especially if they live in somewhere like L.A. or something where it's going to stay hot and annoying. Right, and you want to see something the winter. a little bit cool down, kind of fall, winter themed, kind of put you in the mood, get you back in that spirit a little bit. Yeah, because you know, there's that there's that seasonal depression. It's real. That post Halloween sadness is real. I definitely so, get it um, every year. <laughs> yeah, so I figure we can go back and forth on these. Okay. Um, my first one is called The Black Coat's Daughter, and it's a really really cool movie. Uh, I'm gonna look it up really quick just to give a basic uh, you know um, synopsis of it. But it came out in 2015, and I don't know why I only heard about it this year. 
I think, uh, oh, okay, so it came out in 2015 at the Toronto Film Festival, but it was released through DirecTV this year uh, in March. So um, it's it was made by A24, and a lot of their direct-to-DVD or direct-to-VOD movies, they premiere on DirecTV, which is kind of annoying. But basically what it is, is there's like a Catholic, prestigious Catholic boarding school in upstate New York, and uh, the students are all being sent home for winter break, but one of the kids ends up, like, there's three girls that are all kind of friends that end up having to stay there. And it's a really cool possession movie. And it just hits that note of winter perfectly because it's a bunch of kids that are stuck at their boarding school over Christmas break. Which I think you really can't beat there. Right. It has, like, the, the same winter kind of feeling as Harry Potter does. Okay. Like, when the kids stay back. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie, so I'll have to check this one out. Yeah, uh, this one's really good. It has Emma Roberts in it, and the possession aspect of it is fucking cool. Like yeah. it's really cool. It's hmm. one of the, it's actually a very creepy movie. It, it gave me gave me some chills. Hmm. Yeah, check yeah. this one out. Yeah, so that one's on Netflix for sure. Um, you can also rent it. I know it's on Amazon Prime too. So that one's pretty easy to find. All right. So my first movie of the lit of uh, first movie on my list is Krampus from twenty fifteen. Yeah. 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 It's like. The November before I moved out to LA. So yeah, yeah, 2015. Like 2015. Yeah, Krampus, if you haven't seen it, uh, it is a movie about the evil version of Santa Claus that comes to your house when you lose your Christmas spirit. And instead of, like, giving you presents like St. Nick, he comes in and he tortures you for a night to show you how important <laughs> family is and how important it is to keep your Christmas spirit. Yeah, it's a great movie. It has Adam Scott in it, which is why I know you love it. Oh, I love it. So <laughs> it's like a, it's like kind of a comedy, but there's definitely some really, really cool effects in this movie. There's some points where you're seeing the way that the Krampus moves that you're just like, wow, this is so cool. I remember we saw this in theaters, like right, like right, maybe oh, even the god, weekend it I came imagine. out. Oh, it's so great! Oh my god, this is like one of my favorite November, December movies. I, I always, I try to watch it at least once a year. And this is like probably my favorite Christmas movie is Krampus. Yeah, it came out around Thanksgiving, so it's either a Thanksgiving or a Christmas movie. It'll get you in that Christmas mood, but you could definitely watch it around Thanksgiving. I love like fucking love getting like a gingerbread candle or something and lighting it when i watch this movie or like you get peppermint hot chocolate or something oh yeah oh like, yeah that's the way man that's the fucking it way it puts you it's right in the great. mood you see this it's like uh the family gets snowed in in their suburban house because the krampus is coming after their family specifically so they're like completely cut off from communication it's like a foot of snow everywhere you look there's all kinds of kind of creepy different like twisted santa's minions coming after them the whole time oh yeah like the gingerbread men and the evil snowmen i won't i don't want to spoil anything uh further than that but this is definitely a great horror winter themed movie to put you in the mood and god damn at universal's halloween horror nights last year this was like the flagship haunted house and michael dowtry did a ton of work on it it was the cool it was honestly like second best to rotten manor it was amazing like it was so cool they pumped in smells like gingerbread when you go in the kitchen they recreated the house oh that's it awesome was really cool and I, I hope they bring that back i'm sure they will but man that was cool that's a great pick thank you so i'm gonna keep it on the indie the indie scene here with i am not a serial killer which is an ifc midnight movie we love them and it has christopher lloyd in it he plays a monster 
like a straight up monster that needs to kill people and eat their body parts to survive. It takes place, I think, in like Ohio or something in the winter. Yeah, yeah, like a Midwest Max, yeah. state. Yeah, and it looks great. Max Records is the main character, and he's a little weird. He's a kind of a weirder kid. He's got some stuff going on, but uh, people are accusing him of being the serial killer, and he has to solve it, solve what's going on in the town. It It's surprisingly tense and fast-paced for how uh, thin the plot is, but it's a great book that got turned into a great movie. I, I, I love this. Me, I, I watched this with you, right? We watched yeah. it uh, in Michigan. Yeah, we watched it together, I think, pretty shortly after it came out. And I think this is a, a, a good pick, too. This is, it, it, it definitely just takes, it takes place in, like, kind of a, like, end of, like, November, kind of, like, beginning of December, like, Midwestern town. All the leaves are off the trees and everything. Everything's kind of cooled down. And it is, the main character is actually a lot of fun to watch because he, he's, like, he's funny and you, like, you do, you kind of watch him and you're like, ah, I can see why people think that he might be, like, up to... Like something kind of creepy. Like he kind of looks like a school shooter, and like everyone's sort of like weirded out by him. But yeah, the Christopher Lloyd. It's cool to see him back in a movie again after a while. He he killed it really. He he really does do well with his performance. Yeah, this would make a great double feature with uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh yeah, for sure. And then Krampus would make a great double feature with Better Watch Out, which just came out on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think of that pairing, but that's actually really really good. Yeah, hey. So uh, that's that's my second pick. What All right. you got for us? Next movie on my list is The House of the Devil. The one of the best horror movies of all time ever. I know like this an is all-time great. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I put this on a pedestal higher than most people, but it's about a girl who is at uh, college and she's kind of short on cash. It's uh, most of the people at her college are away for like winter break and she's at she's still stuck at the college and she's bored and she's looking for some money and so she gets she sees like an ad uh, on campus for these someone who's asking her to house sit their house while they're while they leave for like a party overnight or something uh-huh. they're gonna give her like i think what it's like 400 bucks for the night and they, they like they're like yeah we'll get you pizza and whatever just come to our house and just kind of hang out there and then you get to leave like when we, when we come home we'll be back pretty late and so she gets kind of isolated in this house in the winter the the whole setting of the movie is definitely like late fall early winter i mean everyone's wearing like scarves and hats and everything kind of gets you in the mood there and then you just kind of sit back and you watch as the the house kind of gets like creepier and creepier and you you kind of think like, huh, is she really alone in the house? And it kind of just escalates from there. Yeah, and it's directed by Ty West, who we both really like. It start, it has A.J. Bowen in it. He's a great actor. The old guy is super creepy. Very, very creepy. Oh, my God. He's like, kids love pizza. It's just this <laughs> tall, lanky, creepy-ass man, dude. Oh, that movie's so good. And then Jocelyn Donahue is just, she is gorgeous. She is, like, just the oh, prettiest. Yeah fucking like just the perfect star to put in a like exploitation 70s cult movie and because you root for her it's not like the exploitation movies where you want the character to die she's like jamie lee curtis level final girl like you you want this you you're scared she could die because it's an exploitation movie and you want her to live it's just unreal where yeah. this movie takes things it's awesome it is really cool and the the like I, like late 70s early 80s aesthetic is completely nailed in this movie 
This is a must-watch, not only around the this season. It, it fits well in this season, but I think it's just a must-watch in general. So good. That's a great pick, too. And then, so my final pick we got here is We Are Still Here. Now, this one, it came out a couple years ago. I think early 2016, late 2015. And it's the perfect mix of a home invasion movie and a haunted house movie. Yeah. So, Barbara Crampton's in it. Automatically makes it good. Uh, her and her husband move in after their, uh, I think their son, he dies in a car accident. They move into this house uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And they think... They're, they're obviously being haunted, but they think it's not a haunting. They think it's their son's spirit contacting them. But this is revealed very early in the movie. It's the spirit of a family who lived in the house originally called the Dagmars. And they are they are not their son, and they're pretty mean. Yeah, uh, this is another... It's like kind of like a pseudo-mystery where you kind of... they As the movie goes on, they figure out the history of the town and what happened in the house, what's been going on. And, and like the town's all in on it. Right. And oh, man. everyone's kind of like checking in on them and seeing like, are they really doing well in the house? What's going on? And it's it's interesting. It's a really great house haunting movie. And once you see like how like weird the whole town is around it, you're sort of like, well, what is going on with this place? And it really, really invests you in the story pretty quickly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Dagmars look really good. Lots of practical effects. Mm-hmm. And this has this, this has the same vibe as Starry Eyes. It feels like that same kind of like super dark, mysterious, brooding, slow-paced thriller that is just so good. Yeah. I don't I, think this one's that divisive either. I think people, a lot of people like it. No, I really like this movie. I think it's just a good like house-haunting movie. I believe it's still on Netflix. So Yeah, it's, it's on like, Shudder too. Yeah, on and, Shudder. And Amazon Prime, I think. Yeah, so this is like, there's no excuse not to watch this one. It's on every streaming service. Yeah, so... I mean, honestly, this is this is a really good. This is a list of just great horror movies, <laughs> but right now is the time to watch them. Right, this is the best. If you want to be most in sync with what's going on in the movie, now is probably the good time to watch it. Yeah, and you bet your ass we'll be talking about some of these uh, a little bit further into December. Um, I'm gonna go back to Michigan, and we're gonna we're gonna record another return episode up at my my. Uh, the cottage out in the woods that we were at so oh, yeah it's that'll gonna, be fun we'll definitely bring some of these back up yeah <laughs> <laughs> hopefully the coyotes are asleep this time hopefully but uh so last one on my list is john carpenter's the thing so oh, this you're just picking like the heavy hitter <laughs> i like how i went like straight indie with this and you're like let me just pick three of the best horror movies of all time yeah let me just like completely go for like the most money invested in these like biggest like most well known but i think that the thing i mean it's a great horror sci-fi movie you could watch it any time of year but i think that the best time to watch the thing is right after the first big snowfall hits and you're kind of yeah you're in your house you can look outside you see the snow piling up you throw on the thing turn off all the lights just get isolated just like all the characters in there my god man this is just I'm sure everyone who listens to this is familiar with the thing, but if you're not, it's uh, all these guys are in the uh, like a research communication base up Outpost in Outpost 31 in yeah, Antarctica. Right, Outpost 31 in Antarctica, and then there's a an alien creature that can almost like possess people, where it can take the shape of them and control their bodies from the inside, and so it's kind of a whodunit. In, a, in the way where throughout the whole movie, they're trying to figure out who is actually real and who is the alien. 
Some of the best... Yeah, the alien doesn't have to inhabit one body either. It can no. be a bunch of shit, yeah, which can, is even creepier. Right. So you never know what to trust and what not to trust. And it is just... The practical effects in this movie are unbelievable. This is some of the coolest practical effects in any horror movie of all time. Yeah, they're really good. It's one of John Carpenter's best movies, which is hilarious because when it came out, uh, it did not do well critically. It took time for it to catch on. Yeah, I think I probably picked this one just because I'm so high off the uh, the John Carpenter concert <laughs> I saw when he played the Thing theme song with the, you know, when he's playing yeah. the like, clips of the movie behind it. I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> It is. It's just, it's awesome. This, that's a great pick, too. So if you watch these six movies, oh, man, over November, you're going to just be, you're going to be rolling into fucking Christmas. You're going to have, you're going to, you're going to go to Target. You're going to get the 12 Days of Christmas socks that they have. The oh, $15 yeah. box set. You're going to get your candles. You're going to get your fucking uh, hot chocolate. You're going to just be rolling in there. You're going to get that Bailey's cream. You're going to put that in your hot chocolate. You're going to have the best Christmas season of your goddamn life. And you're going to be spooked out while you do it. Yeah, you know, you can be a horror fan and a Christmas fan. Because who said you had to be an or person? It's you not mutually exclusive. Person. Yeah. So uh, I think this is this is great list. We might have done it a little early, but, you know, we got to give people some time to watch these since we gave them six movies. Right, exactly. It's a lot of, a lot of movies you got to watch. Yeah, so that's going to that's gonna be the end of the show here. Episode 7, man. We're, we are just hurtling towards episode 10, which is <laughs> a milestone. A big, our big milestone. <laughs> Yeah, you know, podcasts, you think they move slow because it takes over a year to get to, or almost a year to get to episode 50, which I feel like is the first massive milestone. Yeah. But then you just, you have so much fun doing it. You you realize the night before or even the day of that you forgot to collect news stories furiously <laughs> or just sifting through the horror subreddit, <laughs> desperately trying to find anything cool to talk about. Before you know it, you're there. You're at episode 50. You're a little older, a little closer to death. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that was episode seven of Fear Frequency. If you like the show, the biggest thing you got to do to help us out is uh, if, if you're listening on your podcast service, go to iTunes or whatever you're listening on. Hit us with one of those reviews. We love reading them on the show. It helps it look official because, you know, if you go to a podcast on iTunes and you see not enough ratings to determine a score, you're not going to listen to that podcast. You got you to see that hot five stars. Oh, yeah. Even four stars. That's what we need. So... You could go to iTunes, hit us with that hard five-star rating. That'd be great. If you're on YouTube, uh, leave a comment, subscribe. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. I know a lot of people have been finding it there. So, uh, yeah, that's that's episode seven of uh, Fear Frequency. George, you want to bring us home? Yeah. Uh, come back next week. We're going to have more horror news. And you never know who might be listening. 